Thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Marije Groen. In today's episode, according to consultancy firm Accenture, investing in the circular economy will generate exposure to a market worth $4.5 trillion by 2030. But how to turn the circular economy from a nice idea into a business model that we can actually invest in? That's what we will discuss today with Holger Frey, Senior Portfolio Manager of the Robeco SAM Circular Economy Equity Strategy. Hi, Holger. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Hi, Mariah. Thank you very much. Would you mind maybe briefly introducing yourself to our listeners? Yes, sure. So my name is Holger Frey. I'm a Senior Portfolio Manager at Rubico SAM. And I've been working in active asset management since over 16 years um, of that, mainly focusing on sustainable and thematic investing. And um, this includes investment strategies about nutrition, water, clean tech and resource efficiency. Um, yeah, and since uh, launch in January this year, I'm managing the Robico SAM Circular Economy Strategy. Right. And you're currently joining us from Switzerland, is that right? I'm joining you from Zurich in Switzerland. That's oh, right. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. And now before we start, maybe you can give us an example of how your personal life actually aligns with the circular economy. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, for me, it starts maybe with um, the little things, so the small things like separating recyclable waste, um, um, replacing single-use products with reusable products. But it's more also about rethinking how I consume and how I, um, yeah, what I consume basically. And here I have always been interested in well-built products, um, products that last a little bit longer, that also give me a great functionality and authentic touch. Yeah? And uh, I can give you one example. So in, in on the furniture side, I've sometimes been um, a little bit, I would say, disappointed with the quality of um, chair desk I, I purchased. And um, so that got me interested in a Scandinavian company that produces very stylish and comfortable and ergonomic chairs. And so um, I bought one because I realized if you buy a lot of cheap products, you pay more than for one really good product. And um, I still have this chair. Um, it was also awarded with um, a Secularity Award in 2015 um, um, because it has um, a lot of recycled content. And I certainly appreciated um, this chair during also the work at home time during COVID-19. <laughs> we so, need to be um, comfortable working from home, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I think for, for me, it's really about making this purchasing decision a conscious decision. And um, so I'm looking for circularity attributes um, like durability when I purchase such products. Yeah. Right. Maybe if we if we just bring it back to the basics, uh, could you tell us what is your definition of a circular economy? Yeah, sure. So I, the circular economy um, aims to keep products and resources in use as long as possible and to extract the most value out of them also during use. Um, but it's also about preventing waste before it's even generated and um, prevent leakage, especially of harmful waste into the environment. So that's the basic concept. Right. Yeah. And what are challenges that we need to overcome in a circular economy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the main challenge or the, the homework we need to do is to realize that every economic activity um, is not is, is happening in, in the real world. It's not taking place in some kind of vacuum. 
And um, we need to stop really the use of finite resources um, as if they are infinite, um, which is not working anymore. And it will not work in 2050 with even 10 billion people on the planet. Um, and I think we are surrounded by evidence for that, um, given the microplastic um, pollution in the ocean, um, which is also traceable in animals and in human plot, actually. And um, the, the fastest growing waste stream right now is um, e-waste, um, given that we are purchasing 1.6 billion uh, mobile phones every year. So this is, um, I think, a big uh, challenge for us. And how to overcome this, um, what, what circular economy is really about, and that's so fascinating about it, it's about system thinking um, to extend this producer responsibility beyond the store where the product is sold. And um, when you listen to the majority of the younger generation, they are actually pushing for more sustainable products and also um, companies to, to live up to this responsibility. So I think um, this, this pressure from, from this side can also help us to overcome some of the challenges. Yeah. Right, right. And we see it's, it's high on the agenda everywhere, um, also on the agenda of the European Commission Action Plan on Sustainable Growth. How, in your opinion, can the European Union exploit investment opportunities in a circular economy? Yeah, I think the EU is right now in the lead and it's eager to stay in the lead when you compare it on a regional basis. Um, we have seen the publication of the Circular Economy Action Plan in March this year. And um, what the EU can do is really two things. Uh, on the one, one hand side, you can sanction harmful uh, business models. Um, and on the other hand side, you can incentivize companies to lead in this transition. And we are seeing both. So on, on the one hand side, you see um, bans put in place for um, single-use plastic. Um, so there's a desire to have every plastic uh, packaging material placed in the EU market um, recyclable or reusable by 2030. Um, I think this is a strong commitment. Yeah. And um, similar ideas are also discussed for, for other sectors like um, the amount of recycled content in, uh, in the building sector. So on this side, we see a lot of developments. Um, then there are also the incentives, which are even more important, I think. And um, here the EU takes really a holistic approach, which is good to say, okay, there should be a right to repair for products placed in the market. We need to create awareness um, for consumers. So what is circular economy? Um, and um, standardization of waste stream is another idea where you create a secondary market for those waste streams. Um, everything goes into this direction. And um, um, yeah, so in, in the end, the, the, the product which is, uh, which is um, used should also be utilized in a better way. So there are also incentives for, for that from the EU, um, which can generate also cash flow um, benefits for the companies involved. So I think there are strong incentives in place, um, what we are seeing right now, mm. put in place. Yeah. And for you as an investor, does the European Green Deal offer enough uh, clarity on the direction and on its commitment? Is it, is it really clear where, where it's heading? Um, it's certainly, it's um, a big um, aim we are looking at. So what is positive to see that when you um, look which portion of the, of the Green Deal, for example, is now allocated um, towards um, climate investments, 
um, that is going up to 20, uh, from 25% to 30%. So it's good to see that the overall package is growing for that. But you're right. Um, we also want to, to have a better understanding and want to see some details there. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's useful to look at the EU taxonomy. This is the classification system, which will be um, finalized over the course of the next year um, for defining what is a sustainable investment. What are the thresholds for companies? Um, and here the, the, um, the taxonomy um, also has circular economy as one main pillar. So it's one of the six activities which are aligned with, with this, um, which is very supportive for the strategy. Um, and we think that the Green Deal here also um, pushes forward because um, what you see is um, it's going to be finalized already in, in some areas already earlier next year. So in March um, 2021, um, funds will need to report um, about sustainability risks and later on in the year about AUM aligned with um, um, the taxonomy itself. So I think we get some details. Um, and there's one last point when you listen to the um, recently um, uh, the finalized package, the uh, um, COVID recovery plan. Um, there's also one, uh, one way now, um, one new classification for the EU member states, how to generate revenues, which is a levy on non-recycled plastic packaging waste. Um, and this will be available um, in January next year already. Um, which is a detail and which gives you um, some some um, feeling, okay, what, what the direction of travel is in mm. the near term. Yeah. And besides these developments that we see happening in Europe, do you see similar activity in other regions as well? Yeah, there are also some other activities. Um, in the US, I think it's um, a little bit more mixed. It's, it's rather state by state, so it's not one big solution sometimes. California is in the lead. They also have policies for packaging and recycling for beverage and the food industry and for marine microplastics, so there's a lot going on. In Asia, it's mainly about banning also unwanted products. Uh, China has um, introduced this waste import ban in 2017 and 18, which closed down completely the market for solid waste imports. Um, and they also announced, by the way, this January to ban um, uh, plastic shopping bags. Um, but there are also implications because of those developments in other countries. In Australia, for example, um, there's now progress being made to form a 600 million recycling modernization fund. Um, because also Australia is no longer able to export waste to China, for example. And this is going directly into developing new sorting infrastructure for waste and to extract more value out of those waste streams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, th those are good developments, I would say, right? Yeah. Um, so let's talk a bit more about the Robico SAM strategy, your uh, um, circular economy equity strategy. Uh, how Excellent. can we now turn this whole concept of a circular economy from just a nice idea into something, a business model that we can actually invest in? Right. So um, it's a good question. So what we are doing is we're analyzing the value chain. So we want to detect opportunities um, where it's possible to increase circularity, which means where are companies able to replace finite resources with um, renewable ones, how to increase the durability of products, reuse models, sharing economy or resource recovery and all that. So that's, that's the first step. We find the loops, so to say. Um, then we start to um, screen also for the main consumers in general of resources like building consumables and service sector, 
And this is combined with an analysis of how are products and resources used, which means is it a single-use product or application, or is it a long life cycle product? And what about the end-of-life management? Um, we also use external data for that. So we have our own database, but we also look into uh, um, LCAs, so life cycle assessments, which we then combine again with our qualitative assessment. Yeah. And in the end, um, we um, are then able to say, okay, a product service is rather circular or linear. And um, this helps us to construct our investment universe. Yeah. And, and are there specific uh, sectors that then uh, are leading now in, in that circular economy space? Because you talk products, but what sector should we think of? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a broad range of sectors, but um, we see a lot of activity right now, indeed, in the packaging industry. So there's pressure on the one hand side from the consumer, there's pressure coming from the regulator. But there are also several companies saying, I want to differentiate, I want to, to do something good. Um, so there's a lot of commitment also. And um, we see it really that uh, companies are trying to reinvent packaging. Um, we are focusing here on the solution providers, which um, uh, enable better collect, uh, collect um, sorry, to make um, packaging better collectible. Um, but also there are new joint ventures forming, which um, try to develop um, recycling methodologies to make it easier to and cheaper to recycle plastic. Um, so I think this sector is in, in um, uh, really in motion right now. And um, when you look at the commitments from from those players, and then from the um, and then um, at the capacity which comes available over the next years, there's even a supply shortfall for recycled PET, for example, now by fifty percent in twenty twenty five, and it's it's going up actually towards twenty thirty, which means there there's a need really to speed up also this process. Yeah. Holger, could you perhaps give us another example of a sector that is currently leading in the circular economy? Yes, sure. So what we also saw over the recent months, um, that due to the pandemic, actually, we saw some kind of acceleration for um, sharing tools, for digital collaboration, um, due to the home, um, home office um, working um, and also because of the interest in general in, in those business models. We saw that a lot of users switched to those tools. And um, what is interesting about digital collaboration, we think, is that it's very um, energy efficient and um, it helps to dematerialize in a quite unexpected way. So when you look at global Internet traffic, um, triple since 2015. But at the same time, the energy use of data centers stayed flat since 2010. Um, so here you can clearly see that the, the energy intensity is working very nicely with those business models. And um, since the companies are also very aware of their environmental footprint, um, we can see that sometimes even up to 50% of the energy is already um, um, sourced from renewable sources. So we think digital collaboration and file sharing will play an important role for dematerialization um, in the future. Right. And and is the market maybe currently also overlooking any of the implications of that move towards the circular economy? Yeah, I think um, that's certainly the case in some areas. So we see in general that the market just started to look at this. And um, I think some investors are not really aware what's going on and um, in general underestimate the opportunities. 
because circular economy principles really focused more efficient use of inputs, asset utilization, um, the end of life value becomes uh, more important, uh, gets a more prominent role. So I think um, this is all relevant for investors and it's um, currently maybe not completely um, understood. Um, yeah, so um, I think especially when we look in, into one area, which is biochemicals, here is the, also um, the versatility of, of biochemicals is maybe not uh, fully grasped by investors right now. Um, and um, uh, the consumer is really pushing for that. We see that, that it's even possible in some areas like in personal care applications to charge a premium for those um, um, biochemicals. Um, so I think this is another example where we um, will see much more growth. Yeah. yeah. And, and as an investor, how do you decide which companies really belong in the circular economies and which ones certainly do not? It's, it's hard to decide, I can imagine. Yeah, it's, uh, of course, our work, yeah, and we yeah. have to do that. And um, I think more and more companies start to report more detailed data on circular inputs, even um, uh, reporting uh, generated revenues with circular products. But often it's our work really to understand um, uh, how is the philosophy of a company aligned with circularity, um, environmental improvements in their products, and the approach to product design. So is it is it aligned with cradle to cradle or biodegradability or not? And then we screen really for um, 20% of minimum sales exposure to those activities um, for every company. On the overall strategy, we want to see 50% um, minimum sales exposure to circular economy, um, which is which is for us not difficult to get. Um, and um, another thing which is really important in this analysis is also that this is complemented by analyzing potentially harmful activities that would go against circular economy principles. For example, if you think about um, a packaging provider which, which is able to produce 20% of sales revenues are generated with biodegradable packaging but still has maybe 80%. Um, of um, packaging produced from um, uh, fossil fuel feedstock, then it's um, again not eligible for us because it's going directly against um, circular economy principles. Mm. Yeah. And, and does your investment universe also have a lot of exposure to startups? Um, yeah, we have some startup companies in the area, especially uh, new recycling methods for plastic I mentioned. Um, but they really represent a small part of the universe. Yeah. So if you take it together, maybe it's around 1% um, of the entire universe. We do have some younger companies. Um, I would, wouldn't say they're directly startups that um, maybe just turn profitable um, in the area of digitization or product as a service business models or sharing economy businesses. But the majority of the companies um, are established business have established business models, um, a proven track record also to grow organically um, and to innovate, especially also to innovate within the markets, which is important for us. So that's um, really the majority of the universe and the strategy. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Holger. Thank you. I would like to thank today's guest, Holger Frey, Senior Portfolio Manager of the Robeco SEM Circular Economy Equity Strategy. This podcast about investing in the circular economy is offered to you by Robeco, the investment engineers. It was recorded as part of a series dedicated to the Fonts event 2020 Strategy Shift. For more podcasts, please visit fondsevent.nl. 
And if you'd like to know more about the Robeco SEM Circular Economy Equity Strategy, please check out the Robeco website, robeco.com. Important information, Robeco Institutional Asset Management BV has a license as manager of undertakings for collected investment in transferable securities, UCITS, and alternative investment funds, AIFs, funds from the Netherlands Authority from the Financial Markets in Amsterdam. This document is solely intended for the professional investors. Robeco Institutional Asset Management BV and or its related affiliated and subsidiary companies. Robeco will not be liable for any damages arising out of the use of this document. The content of this document is based upon sources of information believed to be reliable and comes without warranties of any kind. Without further explanation, this document cannot be considered complete. Any opinions, estimates or forecasts may be changed at any time without prior warning. If in doubt, please seek independent advice. It is intended to provide the professional investor with general information on Robeco's specific capabilities, but has not been prepared by Robeco as an investment research and does not constitute an investment recommendation or advice to buy or sell certain securities or investment products and or to adopt an investment strategy and or legal accounting or tax advice. All rights relating to the information in this document are and will remain the property of Robeco. This material cannot be copied or used with the public. No part of this document may be reproduced or published in any form or by any means without Robeco's prior written permission.